0: Thank you so much for joining us here on Cause and Effect. I want to share with you um, that this episode uh, was one of the very first episodes um, that we actually did here on the Broadway Podcast Network. And this episode was actually done in the studio in March before the pandemic even happened. And so what I just wanted to tell you is the rest of the episodes that are on this podcast are going to be what our lives have been like uh, once we had to start experiencing what we've all gone through together. So please stay tuned for everything that's ahead. Thank you.
1: Here we go, Sherry. One, two, three. Let Sherry baby rock your soul. She's gonna help you break the mold truth be told, got lots and lots of musical
0: gold, spirituality, conviviality, sexuality, quality time on the air, quality time on the
1: air, quality time on the air, air. with Sherry Cause
0: and Effect. Hey, welcome to Cause and Effect, it's Sherry Sanders from Rock the Audition. I'm very happy to be here today. Um, we have uh, actually two special guests here who are helping me facilitate this wonderful um, sort of first podcast that I'm having. Very excited about it. Nika Graf-Lanzarone, Lanzaroni, is a friend, a collaborator, and also fellow mental health uh, advocate. She's here with me. And Brittany Bigelow, who is our producer, is here with me today. So if Brittany wants to chime in on anything, that's the extra voice that comes in and says cool things. She's here today, um, and I'm just really, really excited. I wanted to have Nika be my first, pop my cherry. Um, if you will. If you will, and please do, gent- <laughs> lovingly. Um, but Nika is here because I um, admire her, um, and I think that there's a couple of reasons why I admire her. One, she's a working actor in the business. Two, she actually, if you don't already know this, and I think you probably do, because we all um, love The Ensemblist, Nika was one of the people who create. she and Mo created The Ensemblist together, <clears throat> to incredible success. Um, and now Nika has her own podcast called Only Slightly Dead Inside. And so that's another reason why I admire her, which is that she created her own podcast about something that she feels really passionately about because she's in a very um, intimate relationship with her mental health. So being a, um, and you're also a, you also fight for us. You are um, a part of the
1: union, correct? I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm an elected official. Elected of the official union, of the union. All members are part of the union. Right. But you actually are a head honcho in the union. You
0: make decisions. You are a volunteer, Mm -hmm. which is really important for everybody to know. That is something that you choose to do. So in addition to being in service to our community, you're also you're also open communicator about your mental health. You're also successful in the business and you're a podcasting um, aficionada. And so that's why I wanted to have you here. So, hey. Hey, no
1: pressure. No, no pressure (laughs) at all. Just loving you. Hey, I love you. Because you're here for me. Yes, I am. Um, And so thank you for that. I'm very honored to be uh, the person that you... Yeah, thank
0: you. For me to be able to learn from somebody like you is a a gift for me. So thank you for being here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And a cat lover as
1: well. Mm -hmm. And maybe even a cat. I mean, I have been (laughs) called that more than once. (laughs) Kitten? Yeah. No, just by a friend who was like, no, you're very much... Like, you just choose the people who are your people. Yes. And then you just sort of wrap yourself around them (laughs) until... (laughs) Uh, until they're also yours. Yes, I'm happy to be (laughs) yours. Nika,
0: I want to start with a conversation with what you're getting to do right now. To me, uh, you're in a very cool show that's happening right now, which is why it's cool that you took the time to be able to be here with me. Can you talk about your experience
1: being in the Unsinkable Molly Brown? I am in the Unsinkable Molly Brown. Um, it's been great. I mean, they had done two other iterations before, so a lot of kinks were worked out, which great. is super lovely, but great. this is a whole new its a whole new version of a whole new version of a show. Ah. Um, so Dick Scanlon and Kathleen... Uh, ripped the entire thing apart and started over. (gasps) So it was a page one rewrite of this show that people sort of think they know Uh, Molly Brown was Meredith Wilson's follow-up to The Music Man. Um, And... You know, Dick sort of had it hanging over his head for years and couldn't find a way to make it work until he got the go-ahead from the Meredith Wilson estate and their trustees and his widow uh, to rip the whole thing up and start over with new songs. Only I think there's something like only three lines of dialogue <gasps> are the same between the two versions, and Dick thought it was really important to uh, to sort of strip away the... What is it that I'm looking for? Is it the old sensibility? No. Uh, Dick thought it was really important to strip away the myth oh, of the- Molly Brown ah. and to find a story that uh, hewed a little more closely to the person she actually was. Because when cool. the least interesting thing about you <laughs> is that you survived the Titanic, <laughs> like that should probably sing, you know? Right. <laughs> So were you a part of the ones before that? I was not. Oh, no. you, so you came this in all- just to this new iteration. And were there people who were in the iteration before? Yeah, a whole bunch. Um, yeah, so it's been a really, but this version of this new version yeah. is also, is kind of brand new. It's a much smaller company. There's only 16 of us. We're oh, doing, wow. You know, this is what I specialize in is a small cast revisicle. <laughs> uh- <laughs> That's a pretty great thing to be great at, by the way. <laughs> just, Nika? I'm no. really good at moving large pieces of furniture yes, and character. I think you're really
0: good <laughs> I think you're really good at being in something that may or may not work and that you
1: can go with the flow of people taking a risk with a point of view. I mean I, it also helps that we have Kathleen Marshall who is maybe I mean, I would move a tree in yeah. the back of whatever she asked me to do. Yes, same like, forever. Yep. Yeah. She's an old pro. She knows how it gets done. Yep. And yep. just so humane yep. and thoughtful and prepared and organized <laughs> and all of those things that like you get in a room with her and you're like, I just, I know it's going to be okay. Like I know it's going to be okay. I know that if I take a risk and it doesn't work, like no one's going to think less of me <sighs> and that, you know, that it, you can say like this doesn't entirely work and it's not, she doesn't take it as an indictment. She just yes. takes it as a, all right, what and do you are not a pro- do instead?
0: And right. you're not a problem for speaking up and having an idea that exactly. might work better. Is that unusual
1: for being in a, a work environment that is creating sort of on the spot? I think, it, I mean, there's a whole host of factors that go into that being a yes or no answer right because you've been in broadway
0: shows off-broadway shows big fancy regional theater productions have you been on tour also just in a theater
1: works tour oh that was your first one maybe that was how we all got our equity cards that's probably how we all still get our (laughs) equity cards right Right. brittany is nodding (laughs) yeah i know she's like yep i know all about it but but that theater works tour was a small cast revisicle right So we were the first yep. production of this TYA version of Susicle yes. that went out on the road and so we rebuilt we rebuilt Susicle from scratch with Stephen Lin in the room and so it felt wow, you know. Yeah. That's why it has become
0: my specialty. A specialty. ain't yep. nothing wrong with that specialty cuz you you get to work. Um getting back to this other thing about it kind of depends on the piece or it depends on the show, it depends on the team, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um I guess since it's you've been in so many different kinds, being somebody who can kind of go with the flow in any kind of tricky new situation is also a specialty. I mentioned it before, but if you get a reputation for that, happy to be here, easy to happy to be here, easy to work with. (laughs) It really says
1: so much about you. (laughs) I stole that. I stole that from Mary Mitchell. When you ask Mary Mitchell how she is, she says, "Happy to be here, easy to work with." Yep. And I was like, I want to be that.
0: Yep. Well, you are that. And I think that that's another question that kind of brings me into some of the other stuff that you are. Um vocal about and have a platform about which is you do um work with a mental health um I don't want to call it an issue because I don't want to I don't want to think of it as an you work with your mental oh, health yeah I think you care about it and are in a relationship with your mental health isn't that healthier than saying I have a mental health issue
1: yeah I'm working on it I'm in a relationship with it I'm yeah, I'm I working mean. with it I don't know. I have a diagnosis for insurance purposes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And medication. Yeah, right. To treat a specific thing. Right. But that doesn't. I don't know. It's a, it it isn't.
0: Doesn't define it's, you. It's a feature, as a, not yeah, a bug. Yeah, it's a feature, not a bug. Thank you.
1: That's what I And say. the fact
0: that you say that it really, really matters because some of the things that really matter, especially when you are someone who either works with, because it is so the, your, your clinical diagnosis would be
1: that you work with depression. Would that be what you um, are diagnosed with? Yeah, I think I think my therapist was like, I wrote down that you were major depressive because that means insurance will right. <laughs> pay for more things. Yes. Um, right. They, right. They take better care of you when you make it severe. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a, you know, a terrible Thing, but that's a whole so other conversation about yeah. the health
0: system. In the <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Right, the health system, and it's depression and it's anxiety yeah. and it's, but it's certainly skews more depressive. Right, uh, the anxiety is usually born out of something. It's um, sort of bottom up anxiety rather than top down. Right,
0: right. If that makes sense?
1: Well, I think what you're saying is you kind of hang more in the sort
0: of uh, depressive energy. And when certain things happen, they might bring on anxiety. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so you work with those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the reasons why you're um, one of my favorite people to talk to about these things is because you help me sort of demystify what... Um, working with a mental, working with mental health is as a person who's in the industry. Because to me, the more I could say, hey, I have this, I work with it, these are the things that it shows up like, the more people go, oh my god, I can actually say I have that and actually not only say I have that, but tell you what it is and not only that, but tell you the things I do to self-regulate and you will not think I'm nuts,
1: you will actually think I got a hold of myself. Right. Like that I've done, I've done enough work to be able to name the thing, you know, it's the, it's the Mr. Rogers quote. It's like, what's, um, oh, I can't remember the first part of it, but the second part of it is what's mentionable is manageable. What's mentionable is manageable. And... I think... you well, know, it's the shame still, monster
0: oh God. who you are... Who, shame yes. monster sucks. The shame monster keeps it from... It tells you don't talk don't about mention. it because people are going to think you're nuts. And it's still all day, every day.
1: Yeah. Like it's, Is that something that you find that like, well, yeah, like now people one, know. Right. Well, 1,000%. But the other thing that it's more... I don't know. The thing that sort of supersedes my own shame monster uh, or talking about my own shame monster is knowing that every time I do it, people from all areas of my life, not just people in the business, not Mm -hmm. just people, you know, people from all over the place go, Oh my God, me too. Me too. Me too. And this is how my shame monster. This is what my shame monsters. like.
0: Right, right. This is what she wears. This is how she talks. This is what she says to me.
1: Yeah. Um, and then it's a way to be able to sort of name it and get into a conversation, get with into it. a conversation <laughs> with it and knowing that like it's a lifelong process and it may never go away. But to be able to just know, uh, to be able to discern a little bit better, am I actually worthless or who's telling me I'm worthless today? Right. Do you find when you, because I really love that you said, who's telling me
0: I'm worthless today? Because it reminds me of two really awesome things. One, my therapist is amazing because she is asking me to bring parts of myself out, put them all on a couch together and get into a conversation with each other. I don't identify with um, dissociative identity disorder. I'm actually, I just have PTSD. I just have PTSD. I just have that. Um, But it shows up as anxiety (laughs) and depression. Yeah, it just shows up. But I would say I linger more in the anxiety and, it, and I get pulled into depression. Mm-hmm. So same, but you know, flip the script on that. Um, similar dynamics, though. Um, and there's two things that, uh, that that exercise is great for. One is a creative person. I get to actually give them a name, a personality, and I, I actually give them, and one of them I happily call belligerence. She's a um, Disney villainess. Great named after Maleficent or whatever her, malevolence or whatever her name is. She's, (laughs) and I'm going to give her a whole musical number so that she can get out what she needs to get out and let the other people speak. And it could be a very fun little show I could create, but the idea of making it something that has no shame on it, but actually you can give them, giving them a body and a voice gets you to talking to them and hearing what they have to say. And getting them negotiating with other parts of you. There's something pretty amazing about that rather than keeping it as I don't want anybody to know that I have this so that they all think I'm okay and hireable. I think you are more hireable, at least to me, when you can name something. Say you're in a relationship. Let people
1: know how you can self-regulate and live that. And, and that it's not a thing... But, I don't know. The other thing about the the hireable thing is that like my relationship in this way really doesn't have anything to do with my job performance or you for like, right. you know what I mean? It's, and, and I don't mean that to sound as, um, sort of standoffish as it no, does. It's important because there's people that ha- they're separate. They're separate. Yeah. Um, and it's not that, it's not that one thing affects my job performance as, I don't know, like being late on the train one day can totally affect your job performance for the rest of the day because you're like, you're thinking about it and you're replaying the moments in your head and like, what could I have done differently? There's nothing. Um, it sort of exists on the same level, right? um, they go on at the same time. I don't know. It's like nothing to be precious about to me. Sometimes if there's like really something wrong, um, that's, and that's also why we say on Only Slightly Dead Inside that we put the fun in functional depression because like <laughs> the functional part yes. is still very functionable. And yes. just because you now know a thing about me does not mean that it is, it's not new information to me. It's just new information to you. This is really important. And I'm still exactly the same person as I yes. was before you knew the thing.
0: Right. And that thing that you now know about me is not the thing that I am now
1: about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spice in the dish. Totally. And it's a spice that you that you had that you knew before, but now it has a name to you.
0: Right. And now you're just in an understanding that I'm in a relationship with it. Right. It's like finding out that I'm dating this guy. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. You don't understand that guy, but I do. Right. So you might think he's a weirdo, but he's pretty great to me. And we are in a relationship no matter what's going on. Like dark days are good days, we're in it. So you don't need to judge that. Guy <laughs> that I'm with.
1: Thank you. You're
0: welcome. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like another way I think of thinking about it. And I love the way you're speaking on it too, because I'm an incredibly high functioning person, like the most high functioning person. Sometimes people have said that they've ever met. And when I tell them I have a mental health issue, they're like, how? I'm like, I'm having it while I'm doing everything. Right. And it's not affecting, in fact, the the, hard, the hardest part about my men- the 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 most difficult time of my mental health issue has been during my most successful time. Yeah. Cuz usually that's what happens. Yeah. When the heat gets turned up on your career, your
1: mental health issues get turned up. Right. And they'll overtake you if you're not careful mm-hmm. about how they interact with all of the aspects of your life and that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way, and had to spend a number of years sort of digging out of and deciding yes. whether or not I was worthy to be here or worthy to be in the business. Or and that's a, I don't know, the the struggle of worthiness um, exists, I think, in a number of ways and in a number of aspects and flares, mm-hmm. flares like crazy, mm-hmm. based on what is what else is happening in my life. Yes. But I don't know. I don't know why I walked it over to that way when we were talking. I don't know, but I love where you
0: walked it over to. No, Uh, but wherever you walked it over to, I'm gonna kind of meet you where you walked
1: it, if that's okay. Yeah, but it's like, am I worthy of the success that? I guess that's what it is. Am I worthy of the success that I am? uh, I am experiencing Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. or um, have I somehow managed? You know, it's that imposter syndrome. Like, oh my God, everybody's gonna find out. Yes, and that's it. And that's it it's over for me. Right. Louis Black had a bit in one of his specials that I cannot find anywhere on the YouTubes, but I will never forget it that and the joke was basically that every single person who's ever been in show business has this fear that like two men in trench coats are going to come over yep. to them and say, "Yep, that's it. You're that's done it. now." You're done. And that everyone would just be like, "Okay." And go with this. Yes. <laughs> Like no matter who they are, they would be like, "Oh, yep, they found out. Cool, bye." So, (laughs) imposter syndrome is a pretty
0: serious. um, I would say, um, if not half the actors that I give you a solid seven eighths. Yeah, thank you for making the number real. It's a very real part of our industry, and because you just mentioned it, I would love for you to actually describe what it feels like to you to have imposter syndrome. Um. I know you just mentioned to me that it's like any time a person with a trench coat is going to come in and take you and say, you know, and then yeah, you like put your tail between out. your le- you yeah. put your tail between your legs and you walk out. I'm like, Come with us. Come it's with over. us. It's over. You've done. You've you've done enough. <laughs> it's not even that. Like you've done, yeah yeah. It's the what do you think it is? Can you describe it? Even if it's absurd.
1: Yeah, because I think that's what it is. Isn't the imposter syndrome is absurd? It's totally absurd. It's it's absurd in like a capital A absurdist. <laughs> Theater, kind of absurd, yeah. Like you don't have any idea why this person is buried up to their neck in sand with like a mask on. That like, bleh. Um, is that what you feel like? Because that's a, an interesting way to describe it. I, mean, that's I can kind just of picture a play, it. Yeah, but, that's, a play. <sighs> right. that's a play, right? Play, yeah. Um, but it was accurate enough for you to describe that it's yeah an example. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit. I don't know. It, it manifests in different ways. Some of it is the I don't really know you well enough to um, To be able to speak openly about... This. So some of that is like, you know, you got to take the temperature of the room and like how much information are we sharing about ourselves right at this moment? And um, that worry that you're always going to say the wrong thing and then all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, oh, I That's hate right. you. So some of it is always worried that everyone... Um, is going to find out what a terrible person you are and turn yes. their backs. Yes. And some of it is everybody's going to find out um, how actually untalented and, and like incapable of moving forward as an artist you are and turn their backs.
0: Wow. So you have like a double whammy with it in that it does, to a certain extent, is personal and professional. Oh, yeah, totally. Because it's a part of you. It's not uh, discriminatory. No, not <laughs> That's even That's important bit. No, to no, talk no. about, right? It doesn't yeah. discriminate. It's going to be wherever it wants to put itself. Totally. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that this just alone makes me want people to hear it because all of the people are going to go, oh my God, Nika works with that. All day. All day, every day. day. She's terrified. <laughs> she's terrified all the time. I mean, You hallelujah. can hear more about that on
1: Only Slightly. Yes, you then. can. And
0: I really want to encourage everybody because Nika, the reason why I have her here training me is because to me, she was the one who sort of led the movement on speaking on things honestly in our community. And I really feel like, to me, it 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 is you know when you think about it, it's like I have this special guest there in this Broadway show. I have this special guest there, you know, and that's all beautiful. It's not that we don't want that, but this is also something that goes on with people. Yeah, that isn't about the famous thing or the or the tricky show situations or the type thing. It's really just about an existing thing. Totally. So I really love you for that, amongst other things. I want to actually share with you that I don't have imposter syndrome. That's amazing. Oh, I got other stuff, though. That is I wild. Know, but like, I- I've, never been, I've never had it. I ha- but what I do have that is similar, I think, is that if I do something wrong, I'm not a person who's an amazing person who did something wrong. I'm a terrible person. Correct. I'm
1: familiar so with. So I don't
0: know if that's <laughs> imposter syndrome. I think that that is just a drop of ink, um, you know, in a beaker of clear water. I I think that I have some kind of a. Um, I forgot what the term of it is. I remember when I first started therapy with my um, trauma therapist that they basically walked through a bunch of sort of the way you misinterpret life or how you process life. And I remember they gave me a list and she said, pick whichever ones which miss sort of, um, it's the way you misinterpret there. There's a term for it. I, I don't have it right now. It's just the way you misinterpret life or how you process information, which she says. So she said, look at all of this entire list of the way people misinterpret things and pick, circle the ones you have. And I looked at them. I went, I have all of them. I have every single one. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, let's get to work. <laughs> I got start work at to the do. top. Let's start at the bottom, at the top, at the sides. <laughs> so anyway, what's really, really important to me is, it, and why my mental health platform is so important is because I don't. My mental health is actually funny enough. Not funny. It's always the, funny. It's the it's the worst it's been in a long time, and I am my most successful that I've been in a long time too. So to me, it's like, why not be at the honesty of both of those things at the same time. And it was partially why I had, you know, in the back of my book, Nika, I didn't bring you a copy of the book. I have a copy of the you book. You have one. You gave me it one. it. Oh my God, thank it. God.
1: That's all I want is it's sitting, for it to be in your hands. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I'm, I'm the um, asshole that color codes her bookshelf. So it's like sitting on the top. <laughs> the of black the black books. Yep. With the black books. Um, but I had um, Brian Perry, who's the music
0: director of Jagged Little Pill, write, w- spend time in the last chapter with me. And he said, I have PTSD. I am a music director of a very big Broadway show, and I work with it every day. And sometimes I really fail. And sometimes I, I and sometimes I'm split. And I'm the professional person, and I'm the personal person, and I'm failing at them both miserably. <laughs> And they're all the way one's over here and one's all the way over here. Totally. And they're the twain's shall meet. And then sometimes I feel like, oh my God, look, I'm sewing my the pieces back together. And then it's like, oh no, I'm not. And he's in this world of being in a relationship with it. And he just insists, just please get into a relationship with it. That's all I ask. If you want to make this industry any better, we are we are all trying to sew ourselves back together.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's our so beautiful. I, it
0: really is. It's a beautiful sentiment to say, like, we have an option here as artists which is to get with yourself and get with the places that are rough and try to sew yourself back together one stitch at a time and they're gonna the 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 stitches will pull apart here and there but it's the goal is to try to be one person
1: yeah it's really hard work isn't it it's really hard work what are the things that you feel like make it the hardest um it's the brain fatigue (laughs) of like staying alert in the world with what you have. Totally. And also sometimes in the actual, in actual therapy, sometimes like I get, you know, there's a difference between table work, tired and choreography tired. Yes. Yes. They're different parts of your brain. Yeah. And sometimes like I have to go home and like take a nap after therapy because I am table work, tired in my head. (laughs) Like the fatigue, like the mental fatigue. Yeah. Um, because you are what you're trying to do at the base of it is ungroove super grooved in neural pathways That's right. and try to regroove or groove in the first place different ones right. that are not. So you're rebuilding your entire self from the ground up. And and you're doing that while you're negotiating thoughts that are tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And and while And life that is tricky. And life that is tricky. And an input from the outside world that is reinforcing the pathways that are already grooved in and trying to take what is useful there and parse it out and see how much of this is true. Yeah. And what am I putting on? Yes. Like, yes. That's the what word, role. Do I play in, in this moment? In happening. this moment? Yeah. How much uh, of this uh, is my, how much of this is my fault?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that that to me is a thing that I work with because I tend to say, okay, this is all my fault. I'm going to take the responsibility for this just because I want it to be resolved, fixed. I'll take it just as long as we can move this moment along. I don't know if you relate to that, but I definitely. And then if it, if it, um, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of a, fi- I'm kind of finding I'm a big hand of these two other things. It takes two hands to clap. And not only that, but there's three stories. There's my story, your story, and then what really happened. Those two things interest me a lot rather than me being holistically responsible or blaming. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm interested in kind of exploring the inner terrain of the reality and also the, the, uh, what comes from the other hand and what comes from my hand. Um, I, like, I like the idea of being responsible for, for knowing what, what a responsibility for only my share is like. I'd be very curious to kind of have a—I uh, uh, wish there was somebody that went, okay— like some kind of a magical totally. being that would checks in with me after things happen. Okay. This was yours. And that was yours. I love you. That was no good, but this and this and this were good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also like we are trained, we're trained so absolutely as theater people and, uh, to just accept, um, notes like that, that yeah. you're like, I, somebody is always watching and someone's going to tell me if I do something wrong. And like, but that's not even the reality. That's actually, isn't somebody's you it's like, like somebody's tailored to somebody's vision, right. but st- it's the, the act of knowing that someone is there to tell you when you don't do something right, when you're wrong or when you're right. And right. that's like, that's not true in real life. <laughs> right.
0: And I would want the person who's telling me what's wrong or right to be a reality person. If that makes sense. And in the same way, I would want that director or that music director to also come from a place of, uh, or I would want to interpret that person to be coming from a place of, no, you're good. You just need to sing the notes different. (laughs) You're actually fundamentally very good.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) That. That. I mean, sometimes, just like, please, just give me a line reading. A line reading? I'll take it. I'll take it. With a smile. Like, if there's just really a way that I know that you want it, like, don't make, I I don't have to find it. It's fine. Like, I can find different things. Just give me the, like, if there's something you know know that you want to be this way, just tell me. I love it. Thank you.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we
0: are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? And does it do these moments feel like? Because I was just describing what my what my darkness feels like right now, and what happens to me when I'm feeling a little bit dark is that I feel like it's a cloud, and if I can let the while the cloud comes, I can let the cloud come, cry about it, maybe talk about it, write about it, and just know it's going to pass in a minute, and I'm going to let the cloud pass. Uh, does it feel like a cloud to you or does it feel like an always kind of it's it's always a little bit gray? Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're de- it what I'm saying is that depression shows up so differently in so many different people. And I would feel like it's more like I'm more of a person who's having an episode mm-hmm. as opposed to a clinical.
1: Yeah. But I also get into I mean, I get into episodes as well. Yes. And, and there's no way of they they come on in many different ways yeah. but there's this um there's a Nintendo character named Rosalina and she is the queen of space yes. and um, she always has this little star yeah. that like bops along with her and if you've ever played Rosalina um in Mario Kart like you know that there's this like always this little star um and that's kind of how i feel like your depression like, is it's the just star? kind of there. Always there it's just there uh-huh. and it's you know, it's, it's just sort of a part of me and it's, it's my sidekick. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't get into episodes because something can set off an episode and then like, I don't really want to talk to anyone for two years or whatever. Uh, (laughs) and that's real. That's also very real and not, um, to me,
0: I think when those things happen, the work I have to do around that is be like, it's just a real thing that really happened and the le- least amount of shame I, I can have about it, because if I would choose it, I wouldn't have, I w- that wouldn't happen. Yeah. If I wanted to, I would not have had certain experiences with people when I wasn't in a certain kind of period. If I wasn't in that period, I would have not, would not have had that experience. Oof, oof, oof. I almost spilled a coffee, but you know, that, that's, I think the thing that we have to work with is like, we, we go through what we go through. And as long as we can sort of be in an awareness of it and try to improve each experience we have while we're in a relationship with it, that's right. All we can do. Right. And help other people, And help other people, which is why I have you on here.
1: Because there's no there's kind of no point in having gone through something terrible if you can't find a way to make anybody coming through that experience after you a little bit come through it a little bit easier yeah truly and
0: that's why I think it was so important for me to have you on because so many of us work with our mental health and because you speak about it so eloquently what the message you're giving to people is hey if you think of it like a little star in Mario Kart as opposed to a big terrible thing that's going to ruin you you can start sort of asking it what it needs That was the one thing that when I first started with my trauma therapist, she said, you know, you have to treat your nervous system like a special needs child instead of getting mad at it for ruining your life or ruining things or making things really rough, which is the way back in the day people used to say, oh, my God, you had a kid who has Down syndrome. It's going to that kid's going to ruin your life. Because you're not going to, ha- I know, can you believe that people actually did this? So you're going to want to put it in an institution because it's going to ruin your happy life. But instead, now with special needs kids, it's like, oh, my God, my life is actually, the best part about my life is my special needs kid. <laughs> because of dot, 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 right? Because every time I come to them, all they want to do is love. There is no <laughs> filter, you know? So it's like we're learning that that's, that a special needs actually complements or brings great things to a family. So to me, when I was told you have to treat your nervous system like a special needs kid, you got to go, well, baby, what do you what do you need so that we can manage this moment as opposed to having you kicking and screaming during this moment or mm. as opposed to having you shut down during this moment? Talk to me. Let's create a, a, um, this moment together so we could make it less severe. And it's not saying that the moment goes away, but we could turn the moment from a 10 to a two. And sometimes you just need a beta blocker. And sometimes you just need a beta blocker, which truly works everybody. Which is this the last part of the conversation that I wanted to get into with Nika?
1: I've got is, all these segues that well, I don't even know. I'm. We doing. don't even need interstitial
0: music. <laughs> we we are the interstitial music, right? Um, uh, I am on medication. You are also on medication. Yes. Um, and it's a it is a very taboo subject with people. Um, people are afraid, and rightfully so. The first medication that I went on actually made me made me check out. It made me dissociate because it shut all it turned off all my faucets. And it was supposed to turn the the pipes burst. Yeah. Well, I ended up getting mugged at gunpoint when that happened because two people saw me and could tell that I was checked out. And so I got mugged while I was completely spaced out. And so to me, there is a fear that people have about, I don't want this medication to take away my creativity. I don't want it to make me space out. I don't want to disconnect. Um, But I want it to take away the trouble I'm having. And so it does take a minute for you to be able to find the right medication that is real yeah. But you can go into a, an appointment and say, look, these are the things that I don't want to happen. And I know that I feel I might feel because I'm coming in, I might feel like I am in a crisis because of course I am. But I don't want to lose my connection to the... <laughs> Holy Spirit! Can you please? Can we look at an SNRI as opposed to an SSRI? You know, you can kind of prepare yourself to have an important, a healthy
1: conversation about what you don't want. Some people just don't want the weight gain. You I know? mean, that's what that's. And to be like totally, shallow you can about it. because I, it. The, my very first appointment with my psychiatrist, I was like, "Here are the list of things that I cannot have happen." Yeah. So. If there's a medication, like as we're sort of narrowing the field of medications, knowing that these are the things I know I cannot have happen, what do you got? What do you got? Yep. And so isn't it cool to be able to just say, look, look them
0: up, ask your friends, because I can guarantee you, if you ask all your friends, they're probably also on medication because it's hard to be in the world. And so to me, it's like, ask around, not all of them. Some of them, you know, meditation and medication both do wonders. I do them both. Yeah. I mean, I don't meditate enough, but I'm getting on the mat today at 4:30, so I'm really excited about it. It's my first step back on the mat.
1: Yeah, yeah. I promised
0: myself. I said, I know that getting on the mat is going to help me through the, this sort of tricky transition into my power mm-hmm. and into some things that have been waiting a very long time for me. Like Sherry, when you get a minute, can you deal with that thing? It's like yeah, 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 yeah. I got a. I'm gonna have a minute in four months. Now, here we are. It's four months later. It's four months later, and I'm getting on the mat at 4.30 (laughs) because it's time. But it's time for, but I don't want to let these things creep up and ruin anything. I want to get with them. So medication, to me, um, once I got on the right medication, I found that it actually made me more present, and it made me able to sort of make healthier decisions about things as opposed to making them out of what I thought, you know, some things are just chemical. Some things are emotional. You don't know whether they're chemical or emotional or both. And so, if you can actually, um, to me, medication kind of quiets your brain, and it makes it easier for to look easier for you to look at the things that are both good and tricky and make healthier decisions than if you were not on them. What do you think medication has done for you?
1: Um, I think it's done exactly that. Yeah. Um, I before I was on meds, I felt like I was hitting a wall. Um, I was just like hitting a wall with my therapist and I couldn't figure out why all of the work I was doing was no longer like I had plateaued in a way Mm. and, and I couldn't figure out like why I still felt like this, even though I had done years, like a couple of years worth of work with this person. And, you know, so he broached the topic with me very gently and I wasn't sure, not because, not because of any particular reason, but. I was just, you know, it was uncharted territory. Right. And I was surprised It, I was, I don't know. I was just surprised that because I'm one of those people that like, the if you ever see me asking you for help or asking anyone for help, it mm-hmm. is because I have exhausted every possible way to same. take care of it myself. Same, same. I'm the exact same way, Nika. And I wasn't sure if I had truly exhausted every possible way to take care of something myself. And then it was just like, just just try just like try it. Just try. Yeah. It just, helps. It's just help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: that there is shame around asking for help as well. Yeah. If
1: I need help, people know a thing and then then they know weak. And then you have to look at me differently. And then I have to look at myself differently. And the person who needs help. And like Right. And then you have to walk around with all of that and try to be an
0: open human being in the audition room. Great for your friends. I mean, you have to all these responsibilities in the world, knowing that you've got all that going on inside of your noodle. And if and if just like a slow dose, of something could take that from you or something that feels like that from you so that you can look at things and go, they're not thinking that. Why am I thinking that they're thinking that? Right. Or if they're thinking that and I'm really catching something, then I can say, hey, are you thinking
1: that? And they could be like, uh, that's in your head. And I could be like, okay, I'm not going to ask that again. Well, like If someone really <laughs> has a sinus infection, you're not going to be like, no, no, don't take that z pack." Well, and that's my final...
0: That's my final, you just did the last segue and truly, I want to thank you for that because literally this is why you're the master of the craft is that you just segued into our last section, which is to me that mental health is health. And if you say, and I'll give you an example because of how transparent I am, um, there was a concert I was supposed to sing in, and I was just, it was a part of the Broadway Gospel Choir. It's my choir. I've been with them for six years. I teach for Michael McElroy. He's a wonderful human being. And I was starting to feel myself unravel. And it was amazing because I thought to myself, oh my God, he, I know he doesn't need me to be there, but I am a member of the choir, and it's our 25th anniversary, and all these things are happening, right? And so I reached out to him and I said, Michael, I'm having mental health issues. I don't think I can make it. And he responded with, health first. He didn't respond with mental health first. He responded with health first, Sherry. I love you. You have my blessing. And to me, it was like, that is what I need to know is okay, is that mental health is health. And if I had a sinus infection, I'd pull out. If I broke up my foot, I'd pull out. So me being able to go, oh, my God, I'm spiraling. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to be my best self and rehearse and understand what we need in this crucial hours. I'm going to do it. And so he really, truly proved to me that somebody in a very, very high professional position believed that mental health comes before anything. Because it's really the truth, which is that we can't do any of the things that we're doing unless we address our mental health and make sure that our mental health is paid attention to. And that mental health is health. It's the same thing. If you had a, an Achilles heel or you had an ACL, go to PT. You'd go to PT. You wouldn't not go to PT because you were
1: ashamed that you tore your ACL. No, the only reason you would not go to PT <laughs> is if the workers' comp insurance was like, no, no, you're fine. And then you'd have to go approve it. And <laughs> oh, the whole thing. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> boring. Right. So this was really great because we basically just shared
0: that Being in a relationship with your mental health is really hard and cool and important.
1: Yeah. Are there any other things that you feel like you wanted to touch on that we did not touch on? No. I mean, I literally,
0: everything you said was uh, sprinkled with fairy dust. So that's it. Hooray. Please check out Nika and um, Only Slightly Dead Inside. That is her podcast, but also she's in Molly Brown until when? Uh, April 5th. But yeah. And can you actually just take one second and let everybody know what you do as a union leader?
1: Um, I am one of the elected representatives. So I am a chorus counselor. We're a representative democracy. Um, The members elect their leadership and the leadership sets policy uh, and oversees and uh, leadership... What am I trying to say? Members elect their leadership and leadership sets policy Yes, uh, so that the staff can execute that policy. We also sit on negotiating teams but you don't have to be an elected official to do that. Um, if you are regularly involved in governance and have something to say about whatever contract it is you are working that we welcome we welcome your voice. Um, it is just the those of us who decide to take on an extra. <laughs>
0: full-time job for free (laughs) full-time job for free um but i just want to let you know that nika is actually somebody who is fighting for your rights and you and and she's one of those secret people that you don't know about um but that is actually kind of looking at the wellness of the community and is making and volunteering to make strides for the wellness of uh workers in america Workers in
1: america Of workers in America. Because we are workers. Because we are workers. That's right. Just because you love what you do does not mean you are not a worker. Right.
0: Nika, thanks for being a great role model for the community. I'm really glad you came.
1: Thank you for having me. Is there anything else you want to share? Um, I feel like we, I don't know. I don't think so. Go see
0: her in Molly Brown. Hey, everybody. It's Sherry Sanders. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause and Effect. Cause and Effect is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and music by Courtney Bassett and Andrew Swackhammer of Starbird and the Phoenix. Special thanks to Stephen Farizy. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream. You should also follow me on Instagram, (laughs) at rocktheaudition. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm backslash cause and effect. Peace.